This is Jessica Martinez, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. Hey there, mamas. I have a very, very special interview for you today. This unbelievable mom is someone I like to call my sister. Now, she's not actually my sister, but we grew up together, and she's just like family. And it has been beautiful to watch her grow into motherhood, something that truly has shaped her life more than she even expected. Sarah lost her mom when she was just 11 years old, and it wasn't until Sarah herself became a mother that she realized just how much the passing of her mother had influenced her. She has continued to reinvent herself over and over again, and truly has blossomed into an unbelievable mother, photographer, blogger, writer, the list goes on and on and on. So I hope you enjoy hearing her story and how she overcame such a hardship and turned it into something beautiful. Now, welcome, Sarah Rizzo. You're basically my sister, so that's good. (laughs) Um, Can you tell the listeners where you're joining us from today? So I'm in my house, um, sitting in our fourth bedroom that I consider my office. Um, (laughs) I'm in Massachusetts. You're hiding out from the two little ones while your husband is juggling them. I have locked them out of the room, and I'm hoping that they <laughs> don't bust through the door. One is definitely at the door right now. I love that. Um, so I just wanted to give, we can both kind of tag team on this, but I just wanted to give the listeners a little bit of some perspective on what our relationship is. And I called you my sister, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart because you feel like a sister to me. So for those who don't know, um, Sarah and I both grew up basically a door apart, a couple doors apart. Um, when I still remember when Sarah was born and my mom would always say, Oh, do you want to go visit baby Sarah? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and still to this day, I can, can, and will never get over, um, when you first had your daughter, just how much she looked to me like baby Sarah. So it's just right. so funny. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we both, we lived right down the street from each other and we would always play and grew up together as neighbors. And then when did you move towns? I forget. We moved in 97. Um, yeah, so, so we were probably... I, I think I was turning... I was turning eight that year and Michael, my brother, was about to be born. Yeah. So I think we were maybe living together for like seven or eight years, something like that. Yeah. Um, that sounds right. You guys moved shortly yeah. after we did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so our families have been very close for years and years and it's been beautiful to see your family grow as you create your own family and it's been been wonderful to watch. So I want to dive in quickly, and this is not necessarily going to be an easy thing to talk about, but I want to talk about one of my favorite people in the whole entire world, who is your mom, Judy, who is unfortunately not with us anymore, but she played a huge part in my life, and because she's your mom, and this is a podcast about moms and babies. Um, It's so important to talk about her and the impact that she had on you. Um, 
Yeah. So I just want to hear from you. What do you remember today about those last few moments with her? Um, so I remember, well, first of all, she had brain cancer. Um, and so she had been in and out of the hospital for, I don't know, maybe about two years, right? Yeah. Um, it was a long road. Yeah. And that last month, I want to say she was in hospice care. So I remember pretty much up until the end, there was always a crowd in her room and it was always loud and kind of fun. Yeah. Judy wasn't <laughs> um, necessarily, weird, right? but, um, yeah. Judy wasn't necessarily <laughs> one of those people who like ever wanted anything to be quiet or upsetting. She sad. Right. Up until the last yeah. moment, she just wanted it to be like a big old party. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So um, I remember, I don't know, the, she passed on September 23rd. Um, I think it was early morning. So I guess on the 22nd, my dad had pulled me out of school because she had slipped into a coma. Um, and I was supposed to have a sleepover with her. I had put it on her calendar for the 23rd. Oh. Um, so instead, we did it on the 22nd. Um, and I stayed in her room. And I I vividly remember the, like, the sound of her last couple of breaths. Um and then just crawling into bed with her after and not wanting to let her go into that yeah, <laughs> emptiness, I guess. Yeah. And you were alone or was your dad there with you at the time? My dad was there. And I honest, I, I mean, I'm sure that my grandparents and my, at least one of my aunts was there, but I honestly was in such of my right. own moment that I don't remember who was there. Yeah. Well, I know, and we'll get into this, that she has totally inspired you in your whole life, um, and certain things have yeah. happened because of her as a person, and then especially because of losing her, but um, <laughs> I just want to tell one little story, my favorite story that I know that you know, and um, well, I have so many, but one of my favorites is... Um, <laughs> The wonderful thing about Judy's passing, if you can think of it at all in that way, is that she yeah. knew that the time was coming. And so she was able to outline pretty much exactly how she wanted her future and then her services and all of that. And I remember one day being there with my mom and we're all talking and we decided to ask her, hey, Judy, what do you think you're going to come back as? Right? <laughs> And right. she said at first, there might have been another one in there, but I forget. But she said at first, a mosquito, so that she could bite the shit out of anybody that pissed her off. <laughs> uh, and then I sounds think, right. that, yeah, it sounds exactly right. And then I think that kind of um, took a turn. And then she decided to come back as a monarch butterfly. And the cool thing. nobody wanted to slap her and. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think the coolest part about that is that I know the two of us, when we were kids, right after her passing, and then even since then have had a lot of cool moments with monarch butterflies that I think is really, really special. Yes. Um, do you have one in particular that you know of and you can think of off the top of your head that resonates with you? Yeah. So I had a butterfly sitting on my bouquet just to keep her there with me that day because I wasn't sure that I would see butterflies 
Um, but during picture time, I remember, um, I don't know where we were standing, but there was something that was coming in monarch butterflies and they wouldn't leave us alone. So that one stuck with me. I think that might've been when we were taking all of the group photos. Cause I feel like I remember that moment it too. Could have been. There have been so many. It was definitely significant and people pointed it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know for sure that she's in some way or another, whether it's a mosquito sometimes or a monarch butterfly that she's around. Um, and how do you I get think- plenty of mosquito bites? Cause so it could definitely be. Oh, right. <laughs> That's true. Um, and how do you think the loss of her has defined you or fueled you or inspired you in some way? So that's um, a little bit complicated because I don't think I really realized that it had until I kind of um, looked back on everything that I've done. Um, but so going back a little bit, I worked some jobs in college at an after school program and I met a friend through that um, who was working with me and she had also lost her mom to cancer um, and she connected with me on it and she actually handed me this book called Motherless Daughters by Hope Edelman. Um, she was like, here, you should have this. You should read this. And I took it at a really slow pace for a few years. Um, and then when I was becoming a mom, there was a chapter on motherless motherhood. And I just couldn't read it because I didn't want to understand myself any better. Because <laughs> before that, every other chapter in the book really resonated with me and I was seeing a lot about myself that I was now coming to understand better um, that I hadn't talked to anybody about before. That's such an interesting thing for you to say that you didn't want to undersell, you didn't want to understand yourself any better. Like that's, that's a really hard thing to admit and to say, but what a powerful statement. And I think on, at this moment, you've come on the other side of that, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I think I have. Um, so I got, I got through that eventually. It took a long time, but I got through it. And um, I found out that she also wrote a book called Motherless Daughters. Uh, sorry, Motherless Mothers. Um, so I ended up reading that one as well. And this is after I've become a mom. And I've kind of had some time to digest the fact that I'm now a mom and going through things that are probably not normal for everybody else. Yeah. Um, not that anything about motherhood is normal. But um, read that book, and um, I was able to kind of connect the dots and figure out that all these things that I have done with my photography, with my writing, with just how I treat my kids and how I approach every day, um, that a lot of that has to do with my mother loss um, and how that shaped me. So... Yeah, I'm sure we'll get more into that. But yeah, I want to dive a little bit later into more of all the things that you've done because you blow my mind because like you just continue to reinvent yourself, which is really, really cool. Um, But something that you said just made me think of that. I know that this is kind of off the cuff, but what is something like you said in kind of how you're raising your kids or what you're teaching your kids or how you're dealing with them that you find has been impacted by that book and that experience? Um, 
I think in general, I'm a very fearful mother, um, mm. which I mean, other mothers are too. I know my own mom was, she was always paranoid about everything. Um, but I mean, there are times when TJ, my husband will take the kids out and I'll wonder if they're coming home, you know, like things like that, like going to the grocery store, they're definitely coming home. But in the back of my mind, I'm anxious for them to return home. Um, I definitely am not as fun of a parent as I would like to be because I'm always feeling reserved and not wanting them to face any risks or (laughs) do all the things that TJ wants them to do to enjoy childhood. And um, yeah, so I, I just hold them back in certain ways. And in other ways, I push them forward because I think I'm also kind of subconsciously preparing them for my departure, as morbid as that sounds. Um, so like making sure that they're able to do things independently before they're probably actually able to, um, because in some way I feel like they need to know how to do certain things without me there. (laughs) The crazy thing hearing you say that though, Sarah is like, from my perspective, seeing you and both of us, you know, grow up over the past however many years, in my mind, you have not held back at all and you've like totally blossomed. Whereas I think back even before your mom has passed, you were more of a reserved person in general. And when I am around your kids, I also think the opposite from what you're saying. To me, your kids seem fearless and adventurous and outgoing. And I would never say that, you know, you're holding them back. So I don't know if that's a combination of you and TJ working together and a good balance, but, um, you know, it's definitely not something that's impacting them in a negative way, but I can see how it might have, it might contribute to your feelings, you know? Right. And I think part of that is honestly just as as a parent, you're always critical of what you're doing, no matter what your background is anyway. You're always thinking, I'm doing the worst thing possible for my kid, when you probably aren't. Yeah, no. Um, I definitely don't think you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's what that is. But there are definitely all those feelings that are always there. Um, and they definitely drive me as I make decisions. So you kind of, I think, already um, answered this question. But one of my questions was, what inspired you to write a blog that you recently wrote about being a motherless mother. So for those who don't know, um, Sarah has her own blog that's called Far Better Than Worse. And can you give the website address for that? Yeah, it's probably going to change soon. But right now it's um, farbetterthanworse.wordpress.com. And then you also recently started writing for Providence Moms Blog, which is Providence, Rhode Island. Um, so it's called Providence Moms Blog. Yep. And I want to get into that, but going back for a second. So you recently wrote a blog entitled Motherless Mother, correct? Yep. It was, um, I think it's called Inside the Mind of a Motherless Mother. Yeah. Inside the Mind of a Motherless Mother. And it was just, I mean, everything that you write, I think is so impactful, but this one of course was especially impactful. And so my question was, what inspired you to write that? Um, And just tell us a little bit about 
what it was like to write that? Um, so definitely the book that I just mentioned, the Motherless Mother's Book by Hope Edelman. Uh, that was definitely a huge inspiration there and finding that there are other mothers that were interviewed throughout this book who feel the exact same way that I do. And it's never talked about. And there's just not that much of a community for us. Um, I mean, I know one person who went through mother loss at a young age and is now a mom. Um, I know somebody else who also read the book. She's not a mom yet, but we had connected over that as well. But there's just not a lot of people to connect with. And I thought that writing a piece on it that would go out to everybody, all sorts of moms, um, might help them understand us better. And I'm sure there are more of us out there that need the support of women and people in general around them. And I know I've benefited from people knowing me and understanding my background and being able to step in in kind of maternal roles for me because I I don't have my mom. I have my stepmom, who's amazing um, and has been there for every mother moment that I've needed her to be there for. But, I mean, I, I need people <laughs> um, to act in, in that role for me. And so that includes friends. And I just wanted to write that because I, I think other people are in the same boat as me and um, need their village to really step up when they become mothers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, of course, like, yes, your stepmom is fabulous and you have such a strong aunt and grandmother and friend support group, which is amazing, but it is still hard. I mean, there's still nothing, especially when you're having your first child, there's nothing like, you know, going back to your mom, I'm sure. I don't know from experience, but I'm assuming. No, it's true. I mean, you, you'll find out when you have a baby or when you're pregnant that you're going to want to ask questions of your mom. Did you go through this? Um, How did you feel about this? You know, and you know, biologically you're closest to your mother. And so you're going to want to hear from her on what she went through physically. And I didn't have access to any of that information. Yeah. And so in your blog, Far Better Than Worse, what are other things that you write about and why have you started to do that for yourself? Which, by the way, I have to make a little plug for you. And Sarah is an unbelievable writer and your writing is just so raw and touching and you don't hold back. I recently, just earlier today, read another one that you posted. It's just amazing what you write. And I think you don't hold anything back, which is the coolest thing because you're not necessarily, for those who don't know Sarah, you're not necessarily the type of person that, you know, will chat your ear off when you sit down and have a cup of coffee. That's true. You know, <laughs> un- unless... I am much better in writing. Yeah. I mean, I'm less prompted to. Like, we, we have great conversation, but, you know, it's not like you'll just go off a cuff. But when you sit down and write, it's just like something clicks and it's it's just absolutely beautiful. So I would encourage everyone to check that out. But why did you start Far Better Thank Than you. Worse? You're welcome. So why did you start Far Better Than Worse? And, and what has that been for you? What kind of an outlet? Well, um... I need a creative outlet always. Music has always been there for me. Um, Photography is a more, I guess, recent thing for me. Um, But writing has always been there. I've always journaled. And 
after my wedding, I realized that I wasn't wedding planning anymore and I had all this free time. <laughs> um, so I wanted to fill that void with more writing and doing it, I, I guess, in a more public capacity. So um, I just started a blog. It really had no purpose. It was called Far Better Than Worse as a, a play on for better or worse after marriage. Oh, look at that. Um, and I just wanted to document life after marriage. So, I mean, anything related to marriage or parenting or anything that we do together um, in raising our family. So, I mean, it contains all sorts of things from little essay pieces. Um, I've done a couple of poems in there. Um Really, a lot of it is like journal entry style, the stuff that I would write for myself that is raw, um, that I think other people would hopefully enjoy reading and be able to connect to. Yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah, I don't hold back. (laughs) And um, so you started writing for Providence Mom's blog. How did that come along? And I've never even asked you this. How did they reach out to you and find you and what has it done for you? I don't think they reached out to me, to be honest. They, oh. I think, had put out an ad for needing more contributors. And I had been involved with them with photography for an event before. So I was following their page and saw that they needed some writing. And I had, at the time, been um, guest blogging for some Jewish parenting blogs. Um, and so I had some, a little bit of a portfolio to give them between my blog and the guest writing stuff that I had done. So I sent off anything I had and uh, they wanted me to write. So, yeah. (laughs) How often do you write for them? They have deadlines twice a month and I have pretty consistently stuck with that. There's been times over this summer when I haven't really been able to, but I've tried to catch up in the end. Yeah. I think it's awesome. I'm going to, in the show notes, you can find both of the links to um, Far Better Than Worse and also the Providence Moms blog. So you can check that out. Um, So I want to take this time to go back a little bit in time and talk about what was life like before you became a mom? So I was married for two years before becoming a mom. Um, And I... I got married young and I, I mean, that was like my goal through college was I wanted to marry this man and I wanted to start a family with him and I kind of rushed <laughs> through college and I'll attempt never, to get there. I'll never forget that. <laughs> You're like, I think this is happening. I'm like, wow. All right. <laughs> I love it. It's amazing. I was ready. Yep. Um, and and I think part of that is probably inspired by meeting a motherless daughter too. Just yeah. kind of, you know, whatever, wanting to hit milestones early to make sure that I hit them all. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I graduated, worked some temp jobs, and finally got a permanent job. And my first permanent job, looking back, it's actually kind of funny because I was working. I don't know if I told you this. But I was working for what's called a juvenile products company, which is a fancy way of saying um, like car seat manufacturer, stroller, and baby products. Oh, no, I didn't know. Um, and 
Yeah, it wasn't. It didn't last very long. Um, I worked in their marketing department, and I did a lot of market research type stuff. Hmm. Um, and when I was there, I discovered that this industry was super mom centered, and I was working with mom bloggers, ironically. Um, and I was working with this panel of moms who we would bring in to test products and give us their ideas and feedback and whatnot. And I couldn't get over the fact that this baby industry was all about mom because I don't know it. I mean, growing up in a house where I had a mom, but she got sick and then passed. And then my dad had to take over with all of the decisions for the house um it felt weird to not really be including the dad I mean they they did at some times but it was really mom-centered yeah wasn't the initial focus yeah so I had a really tough time wrapping my head around that and um I ended up getting a job at one of the places where I had tempt before that I really liked a medical supply company so I left this baby company and in their exit interview, they asked, you know, why, why are you leaving us? And I gave them that answer that I really couldn't grapple with the fact that it was so mom-centered um, because of my background. It just wasn't going to click with me. And now here I am writing for mom's blog. <laughs> <laughs> and everything that I do is about motherhood. How it's crazy just, is that? I know. So interesting. <laughs> So yeah, up until the time that my daughter was born, I was working for this medical supplies company. Um, I mean, not in any job that I would be able to really explain or say was a career. Yeah. Um, And it's not something I would go back to because of that. But motherhood was what was important to me at the time, still is. And so um, once I had my daughter, I stayed home. And it's, I I know from my perspective, just like watching you over the years, I mean, you're so talented at everything that you do. I mean, so many things. I know at one point you wanted to be a doctor, cancer research. I almost went to law school. You remember that one? Yes. (laughs) Almost went to law school. Um, I mean, you're a fabulous photographer, a fabulous writer. I mean, teacher. I mean, there's so many things that you're always good at. And it was always so interesting and impactful to me because you were always, it seemed to be, and you can correct me, obviously, if I'm wrong, but you always seem to be kind of searching for what is that thing that will fill you, right? And what is that thing that will make you so happy as a career? Absolutely. And I, this was also in something that I plan on writing about too, um, I've always wanted to have a title, like like teacher, like lawyer, like doctor or nurse. I want a career or actor, you know, Yeah. to be sitting behind a desk where I didn't have any sort of title like that really bothered me. And so when I left that job and I became mother, that was my title. That's my title. Yeah. And you're such a damn good one. And it's so crazy because it's like, since that moment has happened, like I said before, you've just blossomed and you just fit it. I mean, and there's, I know there's going to be unbelievable things and I know you have more things that you're planning to do and you'll 
do amazing things, but this role of mother, this title just really suits you. So um, that's especially why I was so excited to interview you too. Um, So that was kind of life beforehand. And then of course you became a mom. So talk a little bit about who made you a mom and what was that experience like the, your pregnancy and the birth? Um, so I had my daughter in 2014. Um, and pregnancy, the early pregnancy was actually kind of rough. Um, I had what's called a subchorionic hematoma and ended up on bed rest for that for a little while. Um, I remember that. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was a short little while, but it, I'm, I was just being as careful as possible. I had nausea, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Um, and yeah, the pregnancy was pretty smooth sailing after all of that had passed and resolved. Um, birth was difficult. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult. It was not what I was expecting, um, which I'm sure a lot of people who you interview will also say. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I had taken the childbirth class at the hospital and assumed everything would be fine. And it it eventually was, but it was a lot of work to get there. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I had a baby. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that, w- that was the end goal and you succeeded. I had her in my arms. Everything was fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also just want to put in here quickly. Um, I'm not sure what order the episodes will come out in, but you are also my dear friend who mentioned to me Hypno Babies, yes. which is um, a birthing education course. And I was able to do an interview with the founder and director of Hypno Babies. Um, so if you all haven't heard of that, there's an episode coming. Or if you have, go back and listen to the episode because it's really awesome. And I know you said for your son, you learned about hypno babies and practice it for that. So that birthing experience was much different, correct? Yeah. That birthing experience was pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> it was enjoyable and very comfortable. Um, totally different. Yeah. And that's crazy to say that after having gone through something that was so hard. Yeah. Um, so you had him. So now you have a boy and a girl and now you have another on the way. So how are you feeling about being a mom of three? How are you, have you thought about that? And what is it feeling like to you? Um, what does it feel like? It was definitely overwhelming at first. <laughs> right now I'm still kind of in denial because <laughs> I, I'm about to turn 16 weeks. I haven't felt any kicks yet, which is normal. Yeah. Um, but that's when it starts to really feel real for me is when that happens and I can actually identify with this baby growing inside of me right um you don't just feel nauseous and like crap all the time. yeah exactly yeah I felt a lot of that this time um but I've also traveled a lot while being pregnant which has been rough um yeah I've just been thinking like practical ways right now like we we just got a minivan over the winter yay minivan <laughs> and um so I'm trying to figure out where all the car seats go and just the most practical way to seat them all so that I can reach them all and buckle them all in because they're all still little. Yeah. My oldest is going to be five when this one's born. Yeah. And yeah, my, which will then be the middle, will be two years old. So 
they all need some help getting into the car. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we're we're definitely excited, and we will be ready when the day comes. But right now, just taking it a day at a time, and really, honestly, just focusing on the two that I have here, and getting all their stuff done. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I know you have you have overcome many battles with sleep and different things, juggling life as a mom. And yeah. I would get into them forever and ever. But what are a few <laughs> things that you could pass along to me and other moms that yeah. may be listening that you've learned from it all? So I think the most important takeaway, just for a little bit of perspective, um, my first baby did sleep through the night from like two weeks on, which is atypical. Right. <laughs> um, and everybody told us, don't have another baby because she's great. <laughs> and then we went ahead and had another baby and the next one didn't want to sleep unless he was attached to my boob yeah. for 20 months oh my god um so I didn't sleep for a very long time we were up all the time hours at a time in the middle of the night but we got through it and I, I guess my biggest takeaway from that is there is no rule book people will say you know don't co-sleep don't bed share whatever they have all these things that they want to follow and with my first baby I wanted to follow everything to a T but mm. at some point you have to survive yeah and you have to do what's best for you because if you're not sleeping then you can't provide for anybody right so I mean do whatever you feel safest doing it's crazy because there's, I want to do one episode at some point. I just have to find the right mom to talk about it. But I want to do one episode about kind of mom shaming, or maybe I should get mm. more than one mom because I yeah. know that it happens. And, you know, I don't want to incite war between anybody, but I think that is um, the biggest takeaway for all moms is like there's going to be tools, there's going to be tricks, there's going to be all kinds of things. But I've heard that a lot. It's like every child is different every parent is different and every situation is different that it, that that combo is in so whatever you find that works best for you um and I know of course there'll be tips and tricks that you learn on the way but I have yeah. found that that's the most helpful advice yeah I think we have instincts for a reason and I don't now I don't see any problem in following them I definitely did earlier on but yeah. no, I don't. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned before, being as busy as you are with the two kids and one on the way, you continue to reinvent yourself, which is just always inspiring to me. I don't know how you do it, but you do. And it's important to you, I know. Um, so you do the work on your blogs and you have this photography. And in the future, you mentioned wanting to become a lactation nurse and so tell us about all of these different jobs that you have and or maybe inspirations I should say because I don't know yeah. jobs and how they all kind of came to be so you already touched on the blog obviously so yeah worse so, and Providence mom's blog but where did the photography come out of the photography was something that just landed in my lap honestly I got a camera started taking photos People liked them, and they wanted to hire me. I had no idea what I was doing. 
But <laughs> no, you do now. But along the way, I discovered that I loved documenting motherhood, raw motherhood, not like the post newborn sessions, yeah. but photos of mom with baby. And um, I do a lot of stuff in the hospital right after they're born. Those first few moments as a family. Um, and yeah, I think just going back to that whole motherless thing. My mom had told me that she wanted me to go to Harvard and um, <laughs> she wanted me to become a doctor and find the cure for cancer. That was her thing for me. But that wasn't for me. <laughs> but I think her message in that was that she wanted me to take something that I guess that hurt me, you know, losing your mother. Right. And turn that into something beautiful. Right. And so looking back at my photo journey and seeing how I have been inspired by all these moms and, and just new parenting journeys. Um, I think that was my way of turning my motherhood story into something more beautiful for other people to celebrate as they go forward in their motherhood journeys. And let me tell you, your photos are just, oh my goodness, they're, they're so beautiful. I love Thank them. Thank you. I love working with those people. They're awesome. What is your, you have a website for that, right? What is that? I, I do. That is sarahrizzophotography.com. Okay. And I'll put that in the show notes too. Um, what is that? I've always wanted to ask you too. What is it like when someone calls upon you? And of course they're strangers and, or usually strangers, and you're walking into this room after something so emotional. (laughs) What is that like? It's definitely an overcoming feeling, Um, but really just a a thankful and amazing feeling of looking at this new family and seeing all of that emotion that I remember having and all of those new feelings. it's really cool. It's really cool seeing them start out and seeing how they don't feel quite yet comfortable with their roles yet. And then you see them maybe six months or a year from now when they invite you back to go do something else for them. And you see just how much they've changed and how confident they are as parents. It's really cool. Yeah, that's really neat. Have you ever gone in and done an actual photo sh- um photo shoot of an actual birth like the the experience no but I really want to I don't think there's a market for it in my area I need to move to New York <laughs> yeah exactly well yeah I think if I was more in the Boston area there'd be more of a market for it yeah but um and I also haven't really been able to schedule wise with not getting sleep for right <laughs> you know <laughs> you can't necessarily be on call in that way yeah exactly <laughs> well I don't know when the time comes, maybe I'll have you do that for me because that would be amazing. I would love that. <laughs> um, and if there's anybody out there who would like uh, birth photos, who would like birth photos, call me. Come on, Sarah. <laughs> oh my God, those photos would be so good. Oh, this is so cool. So the last little thing I want to hear about from you, which you mentioned to me recently, and I don't really know much about, but you mentioned in the future wanting to become a lactation nurse. Is that what it's called? Yeah. So I want to become an IBCLC, which is an international board certified lactation consultant. 
Um, there are all sorts of lactation professionals out there, but that is the gold standard, I suppose. Um, but having a career in a healthcare field would definitely help me along my way. And I think um, in my area specifically, I'd be able to make the most difference by working in a hospital because it's just more accessible for people. So um, I plan on whenever I'm done having babies, <laughs> um, going back to school and getting my degree in nursing. And I'm not sure if I'm going to work on the certification in the meantime. It's going to all have to do with the timing because there is kind of a, a window that you have to fit everything into for that certification. Mm. But um, I would love to work on an LDRP floor, which is the labor delivery recovery postpartum and work specifically in lactation. That's so cool. What made you want to do that? Your journey through breastfeeding? Yeah, I, I had a relatively easy time with breastfeeding both my babies. Um, really no hiccups from the start. They both latched very easily. And I wouldn't say that was my doing. But um, I had taken a breastfeeding class before starting. And I had read books and prepared myself, um, which is totally different than actually having a baby in your arms and learning everything from them. So, yeah, I, everything was smooth sailing. I had little hiccups along the way. Later on, I had mastitis maybe a year into my first baby. Mm. Um, and I had great support from the IBCLCs at my hospital when I needed it or not even when I needed it, but sometimes it's just great to have a community. Right. So I would go into their breastfeeding support group um, that meets on a weekly basis and just be there with other moms who are also breastfeeding and things come up, but somebody else says something and you relate to it. And it's just nice having that community. And I, I found the value in their presence there. And I thought it'd be really cool to be able to do that for other people and help them along because that support is needed. Yeah. Well, I know, I mean, one of my friends for sure had just the hardest time and she was so comforted when she knew that she had a lactation consultant on the way and, you know, just someone to be on call even. I don't know if that would be the yeah the word of it, but someone there to call on to say, is this normal? What is this? And check exactly. in, make sure this is okay. That's okay. So that's so cool. And you nursed for a long time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't think I know personally, at least nobody has admitted that they've nursed beyond a year um, in my social circle anyway. Um, but I nursed my first baby for 23 months. Wow. I made it to two years. And my second baby, I was actually kind of upset. I was upset, upset with both of them, but I wanted to make it to two years with him. Mm. Um, and he weaned, I don't know, when I went to Israel. So I guess he was probably 21 months. Yeah. Um, and yeah, by the time I got back, he just didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't so interested and I was kind of over it too. And I was exhausted and pregnant. And <laughs> Right. And I know too, doesn't, once you do get pregnant again, doesn't it sort of start to slow down anyway? It can. I have no idea 
what it would have been. I was pumping on my trip oh. and I wasn't producing much, but I imagine that was a combination of just he was older and wasn't taking as much from me and the fact that I was traveling and exhausted and probably not as hydrated as I should have been. Yeah. But well, who knows? You, you wrote a really cool blog post also about that. Um, yeah. Which I thought was really cool. And anybody who's interested should check that out because I think it was empowering. And I've found that many moms that I talk to who maybe are curious or wanting to um, nurse for longer, but maybe it they just feel weird about it. And I think it's because people don't talk about it. Right, so uh, back to the mom shaming thing too. Though. Exactly. Yeah. It's back to that whole idea. Um, and I think it's such a cool thing if you're able to do it and it works for you. And that's great. Once again, if it works for you, that's what you should do. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I have a feeling that you probably won't make it through the lactation nursing program before I'm ready, but maybe you can help me along the way. <laughs> I can definitely help along the way. Yeah. And I definitely know people who are extremely knowledgeable and would be very helpful too. That's so cool. I just think it's so awesome how you've found all these different passions that you have. And I could be wrong, but I don't think any of them really feel like a job. Um, it's no. just all these passions that you've, you've found. And I think it's really, really cool that that all came out of just doing what you thought at the moment was best, which is becoming a mom and right. wanting to have that title of mother. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think that title will forever just be my title. I'll probably hold all these other titles too, but <laughs> yeah, that one is the one that really stands out. Well, and especially as a motherless mother, like you said, I think it ends up being the most important one. So yeah, pretty cool. I agree. Um, so I want to do this with all of your children, but specifically starting with your daughter because she's a female and being a motherless mother, I think that's the most important. Um, so what is one thing when she is 18 that you want her to know? So I'm probably going to do this in a way that you didn't want to go in. Um, but every night at bedtime, I say to both my kids, and I will with my third as well, um, I say to them that I love them. So I say I love you always and forever, no matter what, and nothing about that will ever, ever, ever change. I promise you that. And that is my message to both my kids, to all my kids mm -hmm. um, when they're 18. I want them to know that and understand that, and I hope that repeating it every night until however old they are at the time um, until it becomes a part of them and they really understand that I will always love them. They don't have to do anything to earn that love. They are loved. And I hope that carries them through everything they face in their lives. That is really cool. And how did you come up with that? It just fell on your heart one day? I did. I don't even know what it was, but it's just one of those things that I have said, I think, I don't remember if it was before they were born or after, but it's one of those things that I have just said every single night. I love that. That's so cool. Oh, that's precious. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. It's been really fun. And um, for anybody who's listening, check out the show notes. I'll mention on there Sarah's blog, Far Better Than Worse, the Providence Mom blog link, 
Sarah Rizzo Photography, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> all the amazing things that you're doing. Um, I just think that you're an inspiration to me and I hope that you are to, especially to the motherless mothers out there. Also, if there are any motherless mothers out there that are listening, send me an email at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com and maybe I can connect you to Sarah. And um, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, you can start a little community because I do think that it's the most important. Um, there's nothing like having your mom and I know that. Um, but if any of us females or even males out there um, can be of assistance to any motherless mothers out there and especially to you, Sarah, I mean, I can't even explain what you mean to me and to have you as I like to call as my sister um, is just really special to me. And I know I've never been a mother um, and I might not understand certain things that you're going through, but I'm always there um, in any way that I can help. And thank you for your inspiration and all the help that you're going to give me. I know one day when it's my turn. <laughs> um, thank you. And I thank you so much for always being there for me too, because you are a big sister to me. Of course. This was so much fun. Thanks for sharing all of your thoughts and inspiring moms to find their journey, even when it's a little bit tricky. Yes. Yeah. Thanks, girly. Thank you for having me. Don't know what I'm doing. Don't know where I'm going. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms. And I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter, and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at thepumpingpodcast, and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping.